Welcome to season five of the Charity Matters podcast. I'm Heidi Johnson, lifelong helper, nonprofit founder, and your host. I've been interviewing the helpers for a decade with my blog, and I'm so grateful to now be sharing these inspiring conversations on our podcast. Join me as we learn the challenges and stories of innovators, entrepreneurs, and modern day heroes who set out to solve the problems of humanity. Today, our guest is Dana Pepper-Bouton and June Penrod of City of Hope. Have you ever thought about what your legacy will be? Have you ever thought about what you would do if you were terminal? Well, our guest, Dana Pepper-Bouton, has thought about it a lot. And I think her insights on life, living, and giving are something we should all be listening to. So join us. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. We're so excited to have two incredible guests joining us today, June Penrod from City of Hope and Dana Pepper-Bouton talking about the Dana Pepper-Bouton Endowment Fund. So we're so happy you guys are here. Welcome, June. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. We're so happy you guys are here. Now, typically we talk about starting nonprofits. It's not every day that we we talk about um, starting a fund. But Dana, why don't you just start really quick and tell us a little bit about what your fund is going to do. June can definitely um, help me with this because she knows more than nuts and bolts. But initially, the, the, the idea of the fund was set up to help families who are navigating the difficult diagnosis of cancer and haven't been as lucky as I have been through my cancer diagnosis to have resources for support, like transportation to City of Hope. Many patients live, you know, quite a few hours away. They want world-class care at a hospital, and they have to get transportation and gas. They have to pay for childcare, uh, groceries, um, multitude other things. So this fund is set up to kick out money, I think, in the form of gift cards to help these families um, get to City of Hope and have a, as, as best as possible some supportive care on the side of having to deal with their loved one being a patient. And also, you know, they have to navigate quite sizable medical bills. Right. So June, talk to me a little about, about City of Hope and how you see, you know, these the patients that you see and and what you see that they need and how this fund would help. Well, City of Hope is a National Cancer Institute. And um, what we do is provide state-of-the-art cancer treatment um, for, and also um, life-threatening diseases such as diabetes. Um, so we are really uh, the champion of, you know, when it comes to precision medicine, of being able to fight cancer not only at the you know, cusp of when it's worst in your body, but um, also in the beginning phases of helping our population screen for cancer. Um, so we really do the entire gamut from A to Z on um, cancer treatment for for all patients um, in Los Angeles and now in Orange County. And with some acquisitions in our national sites, we are um, most definitely are placing a national presence of who we are in um, Atlanta, Phoenix, and oh, wow. in Chicago. Wow. 
we are really proud of the impact that we are having on cancer uh, patients um, in, in, in the nation. The uh, the role that I specifically play is acquiring resources for what we call our Department of Supportive Care Medicine. It is one of the um, unique elements of City of Hope that make it so special. Supportive care is basically the emotional and spiritual arm that comes out of the cancer journey that patients go through. So while they can focus on mm-hmm. the treatment with their doctors, Supportive Care Medicine wants to focus on their emotional care journey so that they are um, really focused on their cancer treatment and not having to worry about any of the external factors that might get in the way of that journey for them. Right. Well, I mean, fighting cancer is a full-time job. And um, I know I know a little bit a, a little bit about this, not as much maybe um, as the two of you, but um, having started spiritual care at Children's Hospital, um, I've, 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 I've walked the journey with a number of families and seen from both sides of the hospital view and the patient view of what families need to survive and get through this really difficult time in their lives. So Dana, I'm going to switch it over to you because I don't think that you, um, people wake up and say, you know, um, when they're little, when I grow up, I'm going to be, I'm a nonprofit founder. I'm going to start an endowment or I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Something happens along the way and it shifts everything. But before that thing happened, did you have kind of early philanthropic roots? Did you grow up with a family that was really, um, you know, was involved with charity or doing other things? Or did you kind of have role models in your life that were kind of showing you the importance of giving back? My my grandma, my grandmother did a lot of philanthropic philanthropic work and she donated a lot to to Jewish organizations um my grandmother was born in 1913 and um i know that when the holocaust happened there were a lot of family members still left in Russia and Poland and Germany, where both my grandparents had come from. And I know that she did give money to like the American Jewish Congress, Hadassah, those organizations to help people get out of Europe. Although it wasn't as well known at the time, people had ideas of what was happening. And later on, she gave to Jewish causes. My my mother, not so much. My, my mom worked full time, um, but there was always a family member in need. So in terms of, you know, bigger philanthropic outreach, I think right. in our family, it was in terms of the second generation, it was my mom and dad helping family members. I love that. Well, and I think that, you know, um, we all, I love hearing kind of the stories of where the seed was planted because someone planted a seed somewhere along the line that sprouts in us about giving back. And it, and I'm always fascinated where it is. So that's why I always ask that question, but um, back to kind of the, um, the endowment fund that you're starting at city of hope, you know, um, I interview a lot of people and, and why I think these conversations that we're having are so important is that bad stuff happens all the time to people, but people don't always do something good with it. And that's the really the jux, like the crux of why we're having this conversation, because that's the inspiration. Those those rare gems of light that decide to take something really crappy and make it something positive. So why don't you share a little bit about 
the moment you decided you need to do this and a little bit of your impetus about why you want to support City of Hope and what your journey's been? Well, I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in January of 2018. And here we are about, what, five and a half years later, and I've had um, <clears throat> multiple uh uh, rounds of chemotherapy, back-to-back -back bone marrow transplants, um, a few operations, infusions, transfusions, and now I'm terminal after all of those treatments. And you know, I I can't can't control the fact the doctors say there's nothing more we can do for you except try to keep you alive a few months at a time if you if you if you can do more infusions or we'll squeeze out as much as possible. So I've lost the, uh, you know, I've lost the ability to kind of control how long I thought I would live. Right. But I, I, I haven't, I came to the conclusion that I haven't lost the ability to create a legacy for other people. And even though I've had basically what I simply call very bad luck, because there's no genetic component to how sick I've been. Right. Um, I've also been very blessed and I've had, as I mentioned before, multiple resources in terms of financial supportive community to help me along the way. And after spending so much time in the hospital and listening to June and others talk about the, the, the supportive care that city of hope offers, I can create a legacy after I'm gone to help hundreds of people. And that makes me feel really good. In fact, being terminal is really not that big of a deal in terms of how many people I can impact. During the few months, maybe six months, a year that I have left. And it brings me such great joy. Um, and working with June and seeing her enthusiasm and the people around me who want to give, I just want to work as hard as I can to reach out to as many more people as possible. And I do have a tendency to accost people in the market. <laughs> in the post office and the maintenance man cutting dead branches in the Arroyo Seco trail yesterday. So well, I, I, have, I, I have to just say break. we should all live like we're dying. And I know it's cliche, but it's, it is the truth. It is. And, and we, none of my mother was hit by a bus, right? She was 60 years old. You never know. You never know how much time you have. So we should all be living this way. And I am so in awe of you taking the time that you have, any time that anyone gives to someone else as a gift, but using that time to make other people's lives better is so great. So June, I want to ask you, talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you see with these families going through at City of Hope. And a little bit of why these funds are so important. Well, you know, with with the the corner that I work in at City of Hope, we really try to fill the gap of you know what can make their patient lives easier during this journey. And not a lot of people realize that the um, the support that they get at City of Hope is still not it, it's it's all part of you know, the, the package of say, you know, when you walk into City of Hope, but they take a lot of that for granted. And so, for example, you know, the chaplain service of, of having um, the social worker nearby and whatnot. So all of that, 
from. So those are all elements to help them kind of de-stress about what's right in front of them, right? Because as soon as you get that diagnosis, it's like you're hit with a wall and you don't know what to do next. Um, and so our job in supportive care is to make sure we hold their hand and we hold their hand to the bitter end. Whether that end means that to the bitter end of their terminal journey or the bitter end of them walking out and not coming back again. So our job is to hold their hand and make sure that any obstacles that are in the way, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, um, it, it, we are there to help that so that their focus can be on the treatment. The problem is a lot of the patients that come in don't realize that they can seek that support. And a lot of their families don't realize that there's resources. When they see their loved ones going through the journey, they absorb it, internalize it. They don't know how to deal with it. And they don't realize that there are actually resources out there just for them to help them go through this journey. Now, what Dana has specifically um, focused on is the immediate relief that these patients need. And if you walk around our campus and our hospital, you see so many folks, uh, but you don't know what their stories are, right? How do they get to the hospital? How do they get to that appointment? Do they have kids at home that they were struggling to find childcare service for? Um, Do you really want to think about what to feed your dinner, uh, your family for dinner when you just finished infusion and all day of appointments? And these little things in life that we try to make them um, a little bit better by thing called the emergency patient fund. Now, folks who have that struggle can talk to their social worker and say that, you know, I've had such a difficult time paying my rent or being able to um, find childcare for my my kids. And funds like the one that Dana has started um, literally puts that resource at their hands and say, don't worry about your next childcare. We're going to provide you with um, the money that you need to find that babysitter or that gas card you need to make sure you have a full tank of gas to get to your doctor's appointment. And it's that little bit of relief that they get, but it's a huge amount of stress that is unloaded off of that individual. That's fantastic. So, Dana, I mean, you're you have a full time job of living. You have a full-time job of fundraising. You um, are living on borrowed time, so to speak. Not that we are all or not, but yours is a little bit more borrowed maybe than than, than some of us. Um, you still have to, listening to what June's saying, you still have to do your laundry and pick up the toilet paper and go to the grocery store and do all these things and go get your treatments and you know, do your business. You have a great photography business and you're still juggling all the things in life. What fuels you to keep doing this and push just a little bit harder to help other people when you're, when I say the bucket is heavy, and I would say your bucket is probably heavier than most. Well, I would say, number one, I've had incredible support at City of Hope. Um, and um, I also think knowing that I have very limited time left I see and feel and touch and smell and hear so acutely that especially this time of year when it's spring, we've had a lot of rain. I am, although it's difficult because I have what they call graft versus host disease from my last bone marrow transplant, I have 
autoimmune diseases and other issues. So it's very difficult sometimes to get out, to get out there and even go for a walk. But I'm just really inspired by my enhanced senses. Um, and so I love to capture um, what's around me from macro to landscape and put that on my website and share that in, in the form of wall art or greeting cards, postcards, and sell them and have those proceeds go to my fund. So yeah, I've laid in bed for sure and had had some really hard days, but um, when that fantasy of being out and seeing and feeling and talking to people and really hearing and really listening and also have slowed down so much, it just propels me to keep going because I know that when I am dying, surrounded by my family, I'm not going to regret being so tired while taking pictures or being with people. I would only regret that maybe I just stayed in bed and, and kind of felt sorry for myself too much. So, and then having people, then knowing that after I die, I still want my fund to continue, but that's very challenging. So I'm pushing. That is also part of why I push. It's like, I need to get out there and get the word out any way I know how. Right. Well, I mean, I just think that that is so beautiful and so inspiring. And it just makes everybody think with how we use our time. I do think when um, things happen and we get dealt these, you know, crappy hands, so to speak, that um, we get the gift in it and, and the loss is the clarity that we get this new set of glasses. It's like we just get this fresh lens on life and we see what's important and and we see how precious our time is. When I lost my mom and when, you know, hit by a bus, it changed my perspective forever on time and how I use it and what I do with it and 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 being present and and for me, I maybe don't slow down. I try to cram more in than I can in a day. And maybe I'm a little bit hyper, but um, but I so completely hear you. And I think that I, and I really hope that people listening hear you because that is a gift that you're giving every single person listening to this because that's how we should all be living, right? With just those complete senses and knowing how precious every little flower and beautiful thing that we see and person that we see is and what a gift it is. So June, can you talk to me a little bit about um, the impact that City of Hope, kind of the bigger impact, because I I know that you have thousands of patients that come in those doors every year, but not everyone does what Dana's doing. And, um, and so I know that that's not normal, but I know that you have great successes. I also know that not everybody has a terminal sentence, you know, everyone that you have a lot of people that leave healthy. And so talk to me about some of the impact that you guys have at City of Hope with the work that you do. So not a lot of people realize that City of Hope being, um, having the reputation that we have, we're still a charity. We're still a nonprofit. Right. And we still run, um, you know, philanthropy is deep <clears throat> in our backbone of how we thrive. And it's because of folks like Dana that we thrive. Um, endowments allow us to have a longevity of our mission that, that we um, are, are so driven um, every day to, 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 to um, you know, to work towards. Um, the interesting thing is that a lot of folks think 
you know, philanthropy is for the rich and famous. It's really not. Um, you Amen. Know, it's, it's for the people who have uh, a bit of that heart for the cause. You don't have to give us your whole entire heart. We want a piece of your heart, right? We want to be a part of your family. We want to be a part of your plan. And so that I think has been a huge struggle and helping folks realize that you can have your, your cake and eat it too. Um, you can support your family. You can support other organizations. You can do that and support City of Hope. It's not one or the other. Um, Dana is a great example of, you know, kind of the, I hate to say the dramatic story, but it is. And I think she doesn't mind that. She doesn't mind being the, the dramatic story of philanthropy of this woman who should be taking care of herself, but, you know, she's taking care of others. And even, even though she received a terminal diagnosis, I mean, look at what she's doing now, but you're absolutely right. We have folks who say, um, we have a great life that we're living now, thanks to City of Hope, and we want to contribute more. But we do also have the folks who say, my loved one's not here with me anymore, but I love the compassion and the care they receive, and so we want to give. It comes from all different avenues. And then there are folks who have never stepped foot at City of Hope, but they know the great work that we do, and they want us to be their charity of choice. Um, that blows my mind as well, because I feel like there's so much work there for us to build that relationship. And they're like, no, I already I already know what you guys do. And it's so powerful. and We love it. So there are so many challenges in trying to convince folks that, um, you know, we are still a charity. We are still a nonprofit. Right. Uh, we live on philanthropy. That is our bread and butter of how we thrive. And folks need to know that. Um, it's not give all or give nothing, right? It's right. like a part of your plan, of your journey process. Exactly. And Dana, you mentioned that, you know, people are giving, what if people are supporting your fund and they're giving, you know, $25, $50, $100, you know, what that does for a family as far as their transportation and getting a gift card to order dinner that night or you know, it doesn't, it's not a lot, but it changes someone's life completely in that moment and gets them through. And it's a lifeline. It's a lifeline. When you realize, oh my gosh, I don't have the money to to valet and my child is sick and I'm trying to get them in there. I don't have money to park. I don't have money for gas. I mean, I can't get there or an Uber or whatever it is. Um, you know, just that, that $25 gets them to their appointment. I mean, that's, that's game changing because we all know healthcare is incredibly expensive, is incredibly expensive. And I do think we forget sometimes that hospitals like City of Hope, Children's Hospital, all these fantastic institutions are nonprofits. We think of them as these big institutions. We don't think of them as nonprofits that completely rely on the kindness of other people to keep their doors open and their staff paid. So supporting them is so important. So it makes a really great point, Heidi. And I think what's more unique about Dana's journey is that had we not built that rapport, had she not built that rapport with our Office of Philanthropy, I think she would have just written a check and walked away and said, here's, here's my kind of uh, what I want to do. Uh, my, my, my gratitude is in this check and, and um, have a good day. But because we built that rapport, we, she was able to find out she could have this fund to be endowed, that there could be some more work done with it, that she could put her name behind it so that it stays in perpetuity. 
And I can tell you that from the moment I had that first conversation with her till now, the excitement went from zero to to 100. And so I, I, I use that example all the time to folks and say, you know, you can be involved in your philanthropy, even in the smallest, even if you think you're the smallest donor, you can truly be a part and be excited and have it be part of your world. Because now, um, instead of handing a check and saying goodbye, she is part of this venture with us, right? right. And she is, she is in the goal of trying to get this to the maximum amount that she can see. Um, and if it wasn't for her and her drive, we we wouldn't have seen this endowment grow in the past two years that it did. And right. so it's all about the journey as well. And I think also, I mean, when we, um, we received a big donation years ago for spiritual care at Children's Hospital, and it was my first foray 20 years ago into um, endowments and realizing that, you know, you put this money into a fund and you can take so much, you know, a percentage of it each year from the initial investment that will feed the people that you're supporting. And in my case, it was chaplains. In your case, it's patients at City of Hope. And so I think, you know, it's an, we're, we're investing in the future of, of taking care of these families. And it's not just like, here's $25 and pass $25 on. Here's $25 that we're going to grow. We're going to grow that $25 and that's going to keep growing. And then it's going to keep multiplying compound interest and creating more and more um, wealth to help more people. So I think that people need to understand it's also investing in something, which I think is really important for a lot of donors to understand that they're investing they're investing in something that's going, that's going to go on and on. And that's exactly what I know your wishes. So speaking of wishes, Dana, do you have any dream for your organization? What's the big dream? Because I know you have one. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a couple of things. One is that I, I did neglect to mention a good friend of mine whose daughter was diagnosed with leukemia 20, 25 years ago at the age of six. And she took her daughter to City of Hope. And after a couple of years, her daughter was was cured and has been in remission ever since. And they started a fund. She brings her daughter to City of Hope, who's now 32 years old, every year for a checkup. And she donates money and has her whole family donate money to the fund. So I, I think... I, I wish I could have that dream of of coming in once a year and reminding everybody to continue to donate to my fund. Um, my dream is 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 that I'm after I die, hopefully I can live through the fall. I don't know. Is that I want to continue in perpetuity. So my dream is to um, keep spreading the word as long as as long as possible, and then have my family and other people. Once a year or twice a year, give money, you know, in perpetuity somehow. Well, I think what we're going to have to do is what they're just going to have to replay this Charity Matters podcast on whatever <laughs> it's your birthday or whatever day you deem. And that they're going to be a good idea. And they're going to hear you saying, hey, my dream is that I'd like you to keep supporting this. And, um, and I will tell you, my mom has been gone over 20 years and every year we don't celebrate the day she died. We celebrate her birthday and we all go, um, we go to Pineberger because that was my mom's place in Pasadena. And we, you know, have this moment, this tradition that we have for my mom. So I think you should think about what that is, but it might involve a trip to the hospital 
um, and uh, and an annual pilgrimage in your honor, Dana, because I think that that's a beautiful dream. And I think that it's great that we have it here recorded forever and ever and ever. This is never going away. And they will hear your voice saying, remember my dream? This is what I want for my birthday or this is what I want. So I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful dream. Well, I have to say anyone who starts an endowment, a fund, a nonprofit, um, they've had some like life lessons along this, but your life lesson is a little bit, a little bit different. Your lessons are, are a little bit bigger. So, I mean, you've shared, I think already some beautiful ones, but what life lessons have you learned with your journey in cancer? I mean, what, what life lessons have you learned? Cause I, I've already learned so much from you this morning. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I've learned, I've learned this is, this is going to sound harsh, and I don't mean for this to sound harsh, um, but I've learned that when you're talking to somebody who's terminal, you you need to talk to that person not out of your own personal fear, but you need to listen and talk to that person um, who uh, just needs words of humor and understanding and acceptance. And um, I think in the past, if I knew somebody was terminal, I would probably not have gone down that road. I might have said, oh, don't give up. Oh, you don't really know. Um, oh, you know, there's there's new science and miracles happening every day. And in my case, I don't really need to hear that anymore. But I, I understand the fear because people think, gee, if Dana, who seemed to be in great health, who had a busy, productive, great life with her business and her family and everything, just gets stricken out of the blue, ha, that might happen to me. So I don't want people to talk to me out of their own fear. I appreciate it when people talk to me out of just accepting where I'm at and not trying to tell me um, that I don't have hope. I have hope and I also know that I'm going to die maybe within a few months or perhaps, you know, a, a year. Um, I think that's the biggest life lesson is listen to people in terms of where they're at in their head and don't try to talk them out of something that might be their actual reality. I think it's condescending and I know that people have their own fear, but Set that aside and try to put yourself in somebody else's place. Dana, how has all of this changed you? I mean, from pre-cancer to now, and you've been on this battle and this journey. I mean, for you've been at it. You've been fighting the good fight for 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 a number of years, as you mentioned earlier. So how how have you changed from pre until, you know, now you're, as you said, you're accepting, you, you know, this is what's happening. You're using your time to your, your greatest gift, but how do you think you've changed? I think the biggest change, there are two big changes. One is, um, I had the arrogance of aging. I thought I would live as long as my grandmother who lived almost to the age of 102. And a week before she died, she wanted to plan a birthday for her 102nd birthday. Never gave up her license, never had to live um, with a nurse, 
until maybe six weeks before she died. Her kidneys just gave out, but she willed herself out of bed and out of hospital rooms many, many times. And I assumed I would be just like that. And that was very arrogant on my part. I've learned in the last six years or a little over five years, I guess, that 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 was just very presumptuous of me. And I'm quite humbled. And I find that now to be a blessing. And I also think it's funny. I think my sense of humor has gotten quite ribald. I guess maybe gallows humor. <clears throat> the other thing is that I have had to learn to slow down and not be busy, which I really liked. Um, but I've I've accepted the fact that I can slow down. That I, if I'm in pain, I take my my beloved opiates. Thank you, Doctor Papuel, <laughs> because I have I have a lot of um, nerve pain and other tissue hardening from autoimmune diseases. And it's okay to lay back down and listen to podcasts like your podcast <laughs> and audiobooks and dream. And my imagination has become so acute because I've been forced to lay down, forced to take a break. And I willed myself to pivot. Took a while. And I, I'm proud that I had the strength, although it took a long time, to finally accept, don't fight it, pivot find those blessings and there's new magic. I love that. Well, you're definitely bringing magic to everybody here listening to this. I feel like this is just a gift that you're giving all of us with this incredible wisdom, not only the legacy that you're building and creating, but just the life lessons that are so important for every single person listening, especially me to hear and I do think, and I, I say this a lot, but um, I think the greatest gift one can give the world is a life well-lived. And I think that you are giving, I don't want to cry, but you are giving the world that. Thank you. Um, it's, I really appreciate that. When, when I was hit with the cancer diagnosis, I was at the peak of my powers. I was getting- I think you're still at the peak, Dana. <laughs> Sorry? I think you're still at the peak. I think your powers are still, I think they're still I'm going trying. strong. I, think I they're felt going like strong. I was at the peak of everything. Um, my kids were great. I was in great shape. <laughs> Not anymore, but I was getting so many jobs as a professional photographer. I worked really hard. I was actually making decent money. I felt like I was at the top of everything. And Having to pivot is so difficult. And I know people have had to do that during the pandemic. Um, and I'm very grateful that I was able to channel my passion into photography and focusing more on, on tiny little things to be discovered rather than continuing to kind of keep broadening and spreading myself maybe perhaps a little too thin. I think that that is so important. And I think that the work that's happening at City of Hope so that you can be healthy as long as you can and feel good to do this work and keep those superpowers going, helping other people is so important. And I think the work that you are doing so that the greatest life that you're living will continue to affect other people and your legacy will be one of compassion and kindness and 
and beauty and all your photography and all those good things. So thank you for sharing your incredible wisdom, your incredible journey and your future, which will go on forever and ever, which is the Dana Pepper Bhutan Endowment Fund at City of Hope. So thank you for that. And June, why don't you tell us where we can support this fund, how we can donate, how we can get involved. And for all people who are going to be playing this every year, it's so important because everyone's going to be hearing this every year on whatever uh, date data determines that this is going to be annually replayed and shared. And, and I will participate with reposting it at whatever date you tell me, Dana, and that make sure that it keeps going so that we don't have to go into the hospital, but we're going to find a way to remind people how important this is. So uh, you can go to our website to learn more about ways to give on thatcityofhope.org slash giving. Uh, that's our, our main philanthropy website, and it shows you the multiple methods and areas. Um, but if you're interested in Dana's endowment, uh, you could always give online and put on the comment, um, Dana Pepper Booten Endowment. Or uh, you could also email me at jpenrod at coh.org, jpenrod at coh.org. Just to, you know, learn about Dana, learn about uh, our supportive care medicine department, how you can give, and just anything about City of Hope, I'd love to help. Thank you both so much. And it is the season of spring and the season of renewal. And I feel renewed from this conversation. And I feel so inspired by, by what you're doing, Dana. So thank you so much for sharing it. And thank you, June, for reminding us what's happening at City of Hope. Thank you, Heidi. I want to quickly mention my website, Dana, uh, dpbphoto.com. That's where I sell my art, my greeting cards and postcards. 100% of the proceeds of those sales go directly to my fund. Also on dppvoto.com is wall. I sell wall art of all my macro floral images. 30% of the proceeds of those sales go to my fund. And I also have a blog. And there's a lot I write on my blog that we touched upon today that people feel very inspired by, and it helps them navigate their own struggles. So I wanted to just point those out just for added information about just feeling, getting inspiration or looking at beautiful images, knowing that it's a two-part legacy. They can purchase an image of mine and know that they're enjoying it and also giving to a fund that lives in perpetuity. Like I said, the greatest gift one can give the world is a life well lived and you are leaving us so much beauty, Dana. So I'm glad you're here right now with me and I'm glad June that you've been here as well. And just thank you both for inspiring us and reminding us what matters and what's important and the ways that we can make our own lives, lives worth living by supporting this great work. So thank you both. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Charity Matters podcast. I really enjoy talking to our guest, June and Dana, about what it takes to start a business that truly changes people's lives. I think Dana's comment about how can I create the greatest impact with my life 
was beyond inspirational and true. To learn more about modern day heroes and entrepreneurs, or if you'd like to reach out to us, visit us at charity-matters.com or connect with us on Instagram at Charity Matters. If you enjoyed our conversation, we would love it if you shared this with your family and friends. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for caring, for believing in goodness, and for being a part of our movement. You are exactly what the world needs more of. And remember that together, we can make a difference. One small act of kindness at a time. Charity matters. See you next time. Thank you.